Last week I shared with you all one of the secrets of forgiveness is confession that we need to confess. This week we're going to focus on another secret of forgiveness. It's the attitude of forgiveness. You see, the attitude of forgiveness is the, the flip side to confession. If confession to God is meaningful, there will be forgiveness. If the attitude of confession, that's you, your attitude as you confess, to someone else is meaningful, there should be an attitude of forgiveness in return from others. I think it's crucial for successful Christian living that we are straight in our thinking and our understanding of forgiveness. We need to understand this particular secret of forgiveness is not just the attitude of forgiveness, but it's our attitude of forgiveness, your attitude of forgiveness, my attitude of forgiveness, not just a in general attitude of forgiveness. It's a specific attitude of forgiveness. It's on you. It's on me. It's on us. There's some things we can do, things that we need to do because they are essential to being able to forgive others if we're to maintain the attitude of forgiveness that will honor God. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we continue to worship through your word this morning, I pray, Lord, that you will open up our minds to see our part, the part that we will play as individuals in accepting our attitude of forgiveness how we can then use that to honor you, to better serve you, to be a better reflection of you in our community, in this place, with our families. Pray, Lord, that you will, you will guide us, and I pray that we will follow well. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I want to get right into it, because right off the bat, if we're going to set ourselves up to have a God-honoring attitude of forgiveness, I think we need to make a non-emotional decision. See, one of the things that happens is, is we're emotional people, and so we, we get offended by something, and then we get our feelings hurt, and then it's like, well, I'm not forgiving them. We need to make a decision now. When, when there's no turmoil, when there's nothing going on, when, when nobody has offended you yet, you need to make the decision that you're going to refuse to allow your heart to be a harbor for bitterness. And so if you're going to take some notes, this is one you want to write down. From here on out, I will refuse, you can even say that, I refuse to make my heart a harbor for bitterness. To make my heart a harbor for bitterness. See what happens in a harbor? A, a ship comes in and it ties itself off and it stays for a while. We don't want that with bitterness. If you, if you, if you allow your heart to be a harbor for bitterness, you will not have an attitude of forgiveness. So, no matter how hard we try... Bitterness seems to find its way into our lives from time to time. It, it, it creeps into our hearts. It creeps into our minds. But the good news is that our God knows what we're capable of. That's why He offers us encouragement. He offers us wisdom to help us remedy this bitterness so that we can have an attitude of forgiveness. But like any good prescription, like any good remedy, it only works if you use it. The, the remedy for a bitter spirit is Scripture. In small doses over a period of time, what does that mean? It means if you're not involved in the Word of God, you're not going to know how to combat the bitterness so that you can have an attitude of forgiveness. You will be amazed at the power of God's Word when, when you apply it to your life on a consistent basis. 
Folks, if you're struggling with bitterness, if you're struggling to have a better attitude for forgiveness, it's not going to allow you, or the bitterness will not allow you to change that attitude. I want to encourage you this week to take some of these verses that I'm about to give you and spend time looking at them, especially if, if bitterness, especially if your attitude for forgiveness is just a little bit off. I want you to think about these verses so you can write them down. The first one is John 16, verse 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Well, how can that help us with bitterness? I think what you mean to ask is how can that not help us with bitterness? When, it, when bitterness starts to take over your heart because of something that's happened, circumstantial stress, if you will, we need to circle back to this verse. We need to understand our Lord and, and remember He has already overcome the world. He, he has already obtained the victory that we need. Our Lord has promised us He will never leave us. He's promised us the, He's never promised that life would be easy, but He's promised He will never leave us. And so when, when life doesn't seem to be fair, when we're, when we're tempted to give over to bitterness, when we're tempted to be less than average in our attitude of forgiveness, when we have trials and difficulties, these things are going to pass away. But God's grace is given in abundance for those who lean and trust in Him through the tough times of life. And we need to remember that He has already overcome the world. The next verse I want to share with you is Psalm 51.10. The psalmist writes, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's one you should read every morning just as soon as you get out of bed. Before you even have the opportunity to do something dumb, read that verse. Like, get up, before you brush your teeth, read that verse. It should be on like your bathroom mirror. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit with me. If you just read that one verse every day this week, at the very beginning of your day, chances are bitterness is never going to get a, a foothold in your, in your life that day. Remember, it can creep back around, so you have to battle it every day. Bitterness is never good for anybody, but it's especially not good for those of us who are striving to be a reflection of Jesus. As Christians, giving ourselves over to bitterness means that we've resisted the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Lord will, he will reveal to us our sinfulness. He will reveal to us in our hearts our bitterness. And He will compel us to seek out His healing, His forgiveness. But if we don't make in ourselves, allow God to make in us a pure heart, we're going to miss it and we're going to get stuck on that bitterness. We don't have to be stuck in bitterness as long as we recognize our failures. Oh, now I'm getting personal. Recognize our failures, repent, confess, humble ourselves before the Lord, and you'll see that, that once again, He will make in us a pure heart. Our next verse I want to share, and there's seven of these, by the way, the, the remedy for bitterness, there's seven. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Does that sound familiar? He's beating that confession drum again. Yes, yes he is. Once we recognize that bitterness has taken a hold of our hearts, we need to confess it out loud to the Lord and to other mature believers in our life. Listen, do you remember Naomi and Ruth? That story, if not, look up Ruth. There's a story about Naomi. It was, it was Ruth's mother-in-law. When she returned to Bethlehem after losing her husband and losing her sons, she asked her friends and her family to refer to her as Mara meaning bitter. On her own, she said, just call me bitter. 
Everybody I love has died. Call me bitter. Her situation, the situational stress in her life made her bitter. But before the end, before she died, she was blessed with a grandson. Now, the point I'm making is not for you to go around and go, look at me, I'm bitter, and God's going to bless me because I'm bitter. No, the point is Naomi went to her people, and she told them how she really felt. She confessed how she felt. I'm heartbroken, I'm tormented, I'm bitter. And when she did that, I'm going to assume they prayed for her. See, when we're real, goes back to last week, when, how are you doing? I'm bitter, I'm not doing very well. Good, that means I can pray for you about something and strengthen you spiritually this week. We need to pray. We need to encourage one another to overcome bitterness. That's what happened there. And then she's blessed with a grandson. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Many times, bitterness is the result of unresolved anger. We could be angry with God. We could be angry with ourselves. We could be angry with our wife. We could be angry with our children. We could be angry with our boss. But that unresolved anger, if it's not dealt with, can easily become this bitter root that will just take root in your heart. And, and we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves when we get angry. We need to pray. We need to ask God for strength. We need to share with somebody else. Hey, I'm angry. I, I need to deal with that. And when we do that act of confession and through the help of the Holy Spirit, we can have insight into the reasons we're angry. We can have insight in how best to deal with that issue so that bitterness does not become the root of where we're at. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do you know... There are actually Christians. I don't think any of them are in this room. But there are... No, there are Christians in this room. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) Sorry. But there are Christians who don't think that they need to forgive people if they don't feel like it. Now, like I said, they're probably not in this room. But there are Christians who, who have said to me, I don't have to forgive them. I don't want to. I don't feel like forgiving them. See, the the problem is that keeping any type of resentment in your heart towards someone else will lead you down the road of bitterness. It will taint your attitude of forgiveness. You see, the Lord has instructed us to forgive not only when we feel like it. He's instructed us to forgive out of obedience to Him. If we forgive as we have been forgiven, which, by the way, is immediately, when, when you utter those words, Father, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, You're forgiven. We sang the song, East is to the West. Our attitude of forgiveness will begin to change when we forgive others the same way that we are forgiven. Forgiveness doesn't remove the consequences. Make sure we understand that. There there may still be some consequences to your action. Forgiveness does not remove the consequences, but it frees us from that burden of bitterness. Forgiveness allows our attitude to change. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every other form of malice. Brothers and sisters, there's only one way to deal with bitterness. 
you need to get rid of it like you get rid of your trash after you cut onions. You know what I'm talking about. You cut onions after you're done crying. You come back a few minutes later in your kitchen. You're like, whoa, what is that? Yeah, take the trash out. It's not full. Get it out of the house. That's what we have to do. Because holding on to bitterness, and for some reason, we like to hold on to bitterness sometimes, but it has the same effect as, as bad odor in your home. It's like that commercial says you've gone nose blind to it. You don't smell your stink, even though it infiltrates every area of your life. It's the same thing with your kitchen trash or that dog smell or whatever. You cat people. I'm just kidding, Tammy. Uh, you become so accustomed to the smell. And that's just it. You, you become so accustomed to your own bitterness You don't even know it exists. But anybody who visits is going to know something's just not right. It's time to confess and repent the bitterness in your heart so the Lord can bring you to a better place of knowing Him. Ephesians 3, 17-19 says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Folks, no matter what the situation that brought on this bitterness in your life, the love of God can cover it. It can set you free. By remembering that, by meditating on the love of Christ for you, You will long for His presence in your life. You will long for His peace. And in the darkness of bitterness, sometimes we just forget how loved we really are. You see, this love of God not only sent His Son to die for you, but it also wants what's best for you in this lifetime. It's not saying it wants you to be wealthy. It's not saying it wants you to be famous. It wants what's best for you. Proverbs 14.10 says, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. Each of us has a choice to become better or bitter in our lifetime. The better is that God loves. He forgives. He makes a way for His people to escape bitterness. And we accept that, and we live that, and we're a reflection of that. The bitter, that's a lifetime wasted in regret and anger, burdened and burdening others. We were created for more. We were created for better, not bitter. It's time that we learn one of the attitudes of forgiveness is to be free from bitterness. When we allow that to happen in our lives, we will be a better reflection of Christ. Now remember this, that bitter and better, that's a decision of will. Like, will you decide to allow bitterness to control your life or will you meditate on these verses this week And allow God's word to transform your bitterness into betterness. It's up to you. It's your will. Now once we get bitterness under control. In changing our attitude of forgiveness. We get bitterness taken care of. The next thing we need to do. Is to keep short accounts of wrongs done to us. What? Yeah. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says. Once again. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, men, I need you to help me out here because I'm about to go to a place where most men would dare not go. I need the rest of the men in the room to start praying for me now, silently, as we go deeper into this next point about not 
uh, keeping a record of wrong, if you will. Before I get there, though, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7, with an emphasis on verse 5. Now, man, you've got to start praying silently while I do this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Here we come. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always perseveres. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's with an S. Wrongs. That means more than one. Do not let the sun go down when you're angry. Here it comes, guys. I hope you're praying for me because I'm about to share with you the difference between men and women in the regard of keeping records. It's best described this way. I tread lightly here. Well, women are from Venus and men are from Mars. See, the problem is men don't remember anything. And that's both good and bad. We can have a fight. We can have an argument. We can have the worst day ever. We can have a blow-up of some sort. And for the most part, 20, 30 minutes later, we are good. Even with our buddies. You're a jerk. Yeah, well, you're a bum. You're always borrowing my tools. You never bring them back. Oh, look, 25-cent wings. You want to go? <laughs> you buying? I told you you were a bum. And we go eat wings. That's, that's how it works. But women. Men, you need to be praying. This is where I'm, I'm meddling now. Women, you don't forget anything. That's also good and bad. Jeff Foxworthy says that if it weren't for the women in our life, when, once you're married, no one would ever get a good birthday gift or a good card, ever. Ladies, you are amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you even remember your mother-in-law's birthday, and you still go and get a card so your husband can sign it so that his mama knows that he still loves him. And you do it every year, even though she tells you how your house is never clean enough or your pot roast is not as good as hers or, or whatever it is. And that's awesome. But the flip side of that, you also never forget every dumb thing that us men have ever said or done. And y'all are the same way with each other. Oh, hey, there's, there's Susie from work with her family. We should go say hi. No, I'm mad at her. She made an ugly comment about the sweater I wore at work. What sweater? It's July. My red Christmas one. My favorite sweater. It was six months ago. I just can't talk to her right now. Oh, she's looking. Hide me. You all do that. You don't forget anything. It's true. I laugh so I don't cry. Thank you. You know, it's... It's marriage season. It's spring and, you know, everybody's falling in love. The heart wants what it wants, you know. Yeah, see, you listened last time. Okay. In all of my premarital counselings that I'm doing right now, when it comes to the love keeps no record of wrong, there's some things I share. First off, what I tell young couples is everything is forgivable. 
I share that. Not that it, it just allows you to go out and sin, you know, blatantly against your spouse, but everything is forgivable. That's, that's part of this attitude of forgiveness. But when it comes to love, keeping no record of wrong, this is what I share with people. First off, everything's forgivable. But when something dumb happens, when, when your husband says something stupid or, or when just whatever happens, it's on us to ask this question of ourselves: How will this affect me in 30 days? Because the reality is most things that offend us today don't matter 30 days from now. You may say, well, that's an ugly tie. Yeah, you're going to hurt my feelings. 30 days from now is not going to matter. So why should it matter now? If it matters in 30 days, then ask yourself, will it matter in 60 days? Probably not. You'll find that very few things that offend us or, or hurt us today, very few of them will offend or hurt us a year from now. And if it's not going to offend or hurt us a year from now, it's like that hardly known Disney song, you need to let it go. Yeah, I went there. If it's not going to affect you, then let it go now. If it's still around when the sun comes up, either deal with it or forget it. But we need to do a better job of keeping a short account of the wrongs done to us. If you've got a long list of the people that have been frustrating you or hurting you or whatever, you're never going to get to a better attitude of forgiveness. The last attitude of forgiveness that we need to tackle today is everybody's favorite dish. And apparently it's one that's best served cold. That's what our world likes us to think about it. It's revenge. It's, it's our right to get even. You know, God tells us, don't ever seek revenge. Romans 12, 9 through 21 says, look at... Excuse me. <laughs> Look at what God's Word tells us about cultivating an attitude of forgiveness. And this is going to tell us what love and action actually looks like. But verse 9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. See, he's got that covered. It is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, I love this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. What? Yes, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
Do not be overcome by evil. See, when we seek revenge, we are, we are being overcome by evil. We're not being overcome by forgiveness. We've got the wrong attitude there. Overcome evil with good. Brothers and sisters, once again, we have to just let it go. God is in charge of revenge. It's not yours to dish out. That's not yours to serve. What you are in charge of, you're in charge of overcoming evil with good. It's on us to nurture. It's on us to foster and grow a forgiving spirit. That forgiving spirit, that was, that was planted in us at baptism, if you will. We're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if we're spending time in God's Word, if we're learning to obey Jesus' commands, the Holy Spirit is going to help us to be sensitive to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. The evidence of the fruit of the Spirit is going to grow in your life when you're able to resolve and forgive in your heart, even when you're not called to do it. When we cultivate the fruit of the Spirit into our lives, we will have the strength to renew our attitude of forgiveness every day. See, that's the thing about the attitude of forgiveness. It has to be renewed every day. When we do that, we'll refuse to make our hearts a harbor for bitterness. When we change our attitude of forgiveness, we'll keep short accounts of the wrongs that are done to us. We will understand we don't ever need to seek revenge because our God is taking care of it and us. As we come to our response time this morning, I want to share two more things with you. The first one comes from Mark eleven twenty five. I think it's a good reminder of how we can keep our attitude of forgiveness in check. Mark eleven twenty five says, And when you stand praying... If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Brothers and sisters, if you want an attitude of forgiveness, if you want forgiveness, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. If you're still sitting there today thinking, but you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know the hurt I've been through. They don't even care that I hurt. Why do I have to change my attitude? They're the ones that hurt me. I didn't do anything to them. I want to share with you the best example we have on the attitude of forgiveness. It's Christ's forgiveness on the cross. It's the best example we have of someone who did not deserve something that he was getting. And one of the last things he said was, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And yet we sit here this morning, some of us with, with bitterness and a non-forgiving spirit in our hearts, knowing that we're refusing to forgive or that we're refusing someone else forgiveness. Maybe we, we owe someone forgiveness and we're, we're refusing that as well. It's time for us to change our attitude of forgiveness. I know we're not Jesus. I know He has strength we'll never understand. We're not perfect. I understand that as well. We all have shortcomings. But as Christians, we are called to be a reflection of Him in our world. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but for me, that means my attitude of forgiveness will be different than it has been over the years. It's time for us to cultivate a healthy attitude of forgiveness. As we come to our response time this morning, I want you to consider what you need to do to change your attitude of forgiveness and respond accordingly. If you need a jump start on that, if you need to pray, if you need to confess, if you need some wisdom from an elder, 
they're here, they'll go and pray with you. Whatever it is you need to do to begin to cultivate a better attitude of forgiveness, think on that as we sing our response song and respond. Will you stand and sing with us? It's been great to be here with you all this morning, but now it's time to go. As you go this morning, my prayer is that we will all begin to change our attitude of forgiveness. Don't allow your heart to be a harbor for bitterness. Keep short records of wrongs this week. Let it go. Don't seek revenge. As a matter of fact, if we're about the business of being a good reflection of Christ, you will find it's easier to implement these things in your life if we put Him first. So as you go this week, remember this. The love of Christ cannot grow in the garden of our lives when we allow the weeds of bitterness and non-forgiveness to choke out the fruit of the Spirit. Will you sing this last song with us?